0: where my handle is at turkey hitman and i will be sure to follow you back and now for this week's show hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the turkey hunter podcast and i am your host the person who wants to be adopted by peppy van winkle and you are listening to episode 52 three atypical turkey hunting strategies we are now 173 days nine hours, 22 minutes, and 54 seconds away from opening day of turkey season here in Alabama. I am back fresh from a trip to Louisville, Kentucky, where I went with a few of my buddies for a 40th birthday trip, and we went for bourbon and football. And so we did a tour of Buffalo Trace Distillery, and they are the maker of Pappy Van Winkle bourbon, which if you're not a bourbon aficionado, you may not know that Pappy Van Winkle is a very high-end bourbon. And we were able to try all of the years of Pappy Van Winkle, not at the distillery on a tasting, but at one of the restaurants that we visited, a restaurant named Silver Dollar. So if you happen to be in Louisville, I highly recommend going to Silver Dollar, trying all of the Pappy Van Winkles, you'll be able to taste a really good bourbon, and you'll also be able to taste the difference in what aging does to the taste of a bourbon. So it's all pretty interesting stuff. We had a great time in Louisville, a great time at the distillery in Frankfurt, watched a lot of football on Saturday. My team got beat up pretty good by Ole Miss, but I also got to watch my second favorite team, the LSU Tigers, beat up on one of my least favorite teams, the Auburn Tigers. So it was a mixed results kind of day for me. But had a great time. I'm back. I'm refreshed. And after a visit to the Wild Turkey Visitor Center, I've got my new wild turkey cap. And I am thinking about turkey hunting. All right, you guys know that that never stopped. But I'm getting serious about it again here. So today what I want to do is I want to talk to you about some atypical turkey hunting strategies. These are strategies that you're not going to hear a lot about because they're not strategies that you want to try all the time. They're not strategies that you want to go out every single day and use one of these. But the reason that I'm bringing them up is because I want to get you to thinking about some different ways that you could possibly harvest a turkey and fill a tag. If I know anything to be 100% true about turkeys or turkey hunting, it is this. Nothing is 100% true all the time about wild turkeys. Their very name suggests that we should know better. The essence of being wild is being unpredictable. And I think we can all agree that wild turkeys are unpredictable. Sometimes it behooves us wild turkey hunters to be wild turkey hunters. Notice the difference in the emphasis there. Sometimes we need to get wild and unpredictable with our strategies in order to punch a turkey tag. And that's exactly what I want to talk about today. I want to discuss three wild turkey hunting strategies. Let's go on and get right into it. Strategy number one, busting a roosted spring flock of turkeys. Why on God's green earth would we ever bust a spring flock of turkeys that's roosted? Well, this strategy incorporates the fall strategy of busting or scattering a flock of turkeys. But we're busting them on the roost, preferably after dark. I don't recommend doing this on a spring morning. The reason that you want to do this in the afternoon is that so the tom or the toms in the flock have all night long to think about being separated from their hens and the rest of the flock, and, and this is very important, time to get over the scare of being busted off of the roost and give them a chance to relax a little bit. You want them alone, thinking about love at first light the next morning. Now, as I mentioned, you wanna wait until it's dark to bust the flock, if at all possible, because it's harder for a roosted bird to see where the other birds went when they fly off at night. Now it's also harder to bust a flock of turkeys out of trees after dark. So if it gets dark at 6.30, 7 o'clock at night and you've got a flock of turkeys roosted, you wanna go in there and bust them up maybe at 8.30 or 9 o'clock. It's a lot more difficult to do than it is after they first fly up but after they first fly up if you go in and you try to bust them then what you're going to see is that group of 10 or 12 turkeys fly off in two or three different directions so you're going to end up with two or three different groups of turkeys that's not what you want you want to get that tom separated from the flock of hens that is the important part of this that's why this works and it works best When the flock of turkeys is smaller and more spread out in the woods, you wanna move slowly and erratically from tree to tree. Take your time walking in there, go from tree to tree, and try to bust those turkeys out in different directions. It also works best when the gobbler flies up separate from where the hens have flown up. If he flies up 50 to 100 yards away from the hens, and you can walk into the woods and get between him and the hens, and spook him off in a direction away from the hens, that's ideal. So singling out that tom is very important and a very key part of making this strategy work. Now this is a strategy that I think you want to employ early in the season when the gobblers are henned up all day long because If it's mid to late season and the gobblers are only henned up for part of the day, I think it's best not to disturb the turkeys. Let the turkeys be turkeys. Alter your hunting patterns more during those times to hunt when the gobblers are not henned up, which means maybe mid-morning, midday, or late afternoon when they lose their hens. Now, this is a strategy, again, that I don't think you want to do every day. If you keep messing with your turkeys on your property, they'll go to your neighbor's property where they're not getting bumped from the roost. Now with that being said, when and if you do try this strategy, you need to be sure that you're dressed in full camo with gloves and a head net on just for the heck of it. If you're camoed up, it's harder for a turkey to identify you and they are not immune to getting busted off of a roost by coyotes. Or hogs or really anything on the ground. So I believe that if you're wearing camo and you cover up as much of yourself as you can when doing this, even at night, you're probably less likely to really put a lot of pressure on them to push them over to the neighbor's property. If you cannot get into the area and get the gobblers separated from the hens, don't even think about doing this because again you're gonna push a gobbler and two hens or three hens or five hens off in one direction, they're going to be in a separate flock and you're going to not accomplish your goal which is to get that gobbler alone the next morning for your hunt. So all of the circumstances have to line up perfectly. You've got to be able to identify where that gobbler flew up. You need to be able to identify where the hens flew up Make sure you've got enough separation between them and go in and break them up that way. I don't like doing this with large flocks of turkeys because the gobblers and the hens will fly off in the same direction. I don't like to do this in the late season as I discussed a few minutes ago. Not only because I don't want to disturb the turkeys any more than I have to, but I don't want to push hens away from their nests. So if you're hunting an area one afternoon and you have a gobbler and two or three hens that roost together and it's late season, don't mess with them. Don't push those hens away from their nest. That's the last thing we want is to ruin a hen's nest for one morning of a turkey hunt. I also don't like to do this when the birds are roosted near the property line. I don't want to spook that tom over onto my neighbor's property that is the last thing that I want to do and I also don't like to use this strategy when there are other hunters that are going to be hunting that area the next morning. Sometimes you don't know if anyone else is going to be in there the next morning but I personally don't want to sabotage someone else's efforts in hunting. That's just me but if I'm hunting an area that I have to myself and all of the other variables come into play then this is a strategy that I'll use. Another reason that I don't use it often is because mainly where I hunt turkeys. At the beginning of the season, the gobblers are already beginning to separate away from the hens midday or early afternoon. So I can catch a gobbler at 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning whose hens have gotten away from him. So it's a strategy that I don't do very often. I have done it in the past and I'm sure there will be a time when I do it in the future. Use it sparingly, but when you do use it, it can be something that'll pay off for you. Strategy number two, climbing into bed with a roosted tom. Now, I talked about this strategy a few weeks ago when I mentioned this as a strategy for hen up gobblers. Getting in the midst of a large group of roosted wild turkeys is very challenging, and it must be done very carefully. You'll want to be dressed in camo from head to toe, head net, gloves, the whole shebang, and you want to slowly and quietly make your approach into the middle of that roosted flock of turkeys. You want to try to do this at least an hour before you see dawn's crack. So if it starts to crack day at 5 a.m., you need to be sitting in the middle of those turkeys by 4 a.m., which means you may have to leave your camp house at 3 o'clock. You may have to leave home at 2.30 to drive 45 minutes to get there and give yourself 45 minutes to walk from the truck to the middle of those turkeys. That may disqualify a lot of you from trying this strategy, but if you can get in the middle of those roosted turkeys while it's still dark, sit down very quietly, get your gun on your knee and sit completely still and not call, don't make a sound, then you'll be in a great spot when daylight rolls around and those turkeys fly down. But when this works best, is when you have turkeys roosting site pinpointed. When the birds are hinged up, if you just have a short window of opportunity to hunt, this is a great strategy because typically, if that turkey flies down and he's in range, hunt's over. It's gonna be a very short hunt. The flip side of it is, if you get in there and you spook that turkey, the hunt's over before it ever started. I also like to try this when it's not the only game in town. What I mean is when I know that there are other turkeys close by that I can hunt, in case I do spook this bird. I want to know that I can go and hunt another bird somewhere else. Now you can also try this when the gobblers are not henned up and get in there tight on a roosted gobbler. Even if those gobblers are not henned up, you don't want to call while they are on the roost. A turkey's sight advantage when they are in a roost tree is so great that they are going to know that you are not a hen. They may not know that you're a human being and you're dressed in full camo and you're sitting against an oak tree. They're going to know that you're not a hen turkey because they're not going to see that hen turkey walking around underneath them. And one time that I did this actually was when the gobblers were not hinged up. I was able to spot a couple of turkeys out in a fresh clear cut. And this was late afternoon. And so I watched the turkeys with my binoculars for an hour to an hour and a half. It got to be dusk dark and I thought, okay, these turkeys are going to fly up in this clear cut. And sure enough, they flew up in a lone tree that the loggers had not cut in the middle of about an 80 acre clear cut and that's where they roosted. And I sat there until it was pitch black dark and then I crawled out of the area quietly and slowly. It was late when I got back to the camp house. I ate dinner and I went straight to bed. I set my alarm for four o'clock. It was getting daylight about 5.30. I jumped out of bed, threw on my clothes, went to that area and I was sitting against a tree at the edge of this clear cut an hour before it even started to crack daylight. I walked through the middle of a clear cut past the trees that the turkeys were roosted in to the opposite side of the clear cut, picked out a tree that I wanted to set up on, sat down against it and waited. I had my diaphragm call in my mouth, I had my shotgun on my knee and I was ready to go. When it got daylight, those two turkeys must have gobbled a hundred times each in the tree. They flew down hit the ground about 40 yards away from me immediately went into strut I called to him one time and they started walking towards me when the first bird got about 35 yards away from me I shot. Now I'm not going to tell you the part of the story where I missed my gun jammed and I was not able to get a second shot and I went back to the camp with no turkey because I don't want you guys to know that I ever miss a turkey alright you know that's not true because I tell you all the time when I miss turkeys missing turkeys are learning opportunities for us most of the time it's relearning that we need to keep our cheeks down on the buttstock of the gun which I didn't do because I was watching the show instead of getting ready to shoot a turkey so that's where I messed up everything else that morning was absolutely perfect so this strategy works and it'll even work on those turkeys that are not hinged up but I do especially like it on those hend up gobblers because it's another strategy that we can try on them. Okay, wild turkey hunting strategy number three. Calling and moving. Now this is something that we all do in some shape, form, or fashion during the season. Whether that's running and gunning or actually moving while you're calling to a bird. And that is more specifically what I'm about to address. Now my word of caution is that this strategy can be dangerous So please don't try this on public ground. Don't try it in an area that's close to your property line where one of your neighbors may be hunting. But here are a couple of different versions of what I'm talking about. First, when you get a gobbler located, whether that's using a turkey call or using a locator call, don't sit down on him right away. Walk around in a small area, maybe 20 to 30 yards, in diameter while you're calling for a few minutes and call to him before you sit down. This gives your calling more realism because hens typically don't stand next to the same oak tree and call for 30 minutes waiting on a gobbler to come to them. Even if a hen is feeding in a relatively small area, which is basically what you're imitating here, then she's constantly moving, facing down while she's feeding, facing up while she's looking for danger, She's facing left, right, to, and from the gobbler while she feeds and calls. She's moving leaves and making noise by walking or scratching. She is an animal that's on a mission. Whether that mission is to eat or to breed, she is moving. So I'm going to state the obvious here because I need to. Don't purposefully get louder while you're walking and calling. Try to walk softly in the leaves and avoid breaking twigs and sticks. A 12 pound hen is not gonna break very many sticks while she's walking around in the woods. By moving slowly and relatively quietly, you'll give more realism to your calls and you'll also be able to hear a gobbling turkey as he approaches. That's very important because you don't want to spook him off if he comes into you while you're still walking and calling. If you're walking softly, that turkey can still hear you walking in the leaves. We all know that they have incredible hearing. One other thing that I want you to think of and be aware of is the amount of time that you are taking while you're walking around and calling. If you try this on a tom that's 75 to 100 yards away, then you want to be thinking about how long it will or can take that turkey to be within seeing distance of where you are. And you want to always be on the lookout for your perfect setup spot so that you can quickly set up for the final approach of that tom when he starts to get within sight of you. And don't forget that you can stand or kneel behind a tree and kill that turkey just as easily as you can kill him sitting down if your perfect setup spot is not available. Alright, now that's the light version of moving around while calling to a tom, so we'll call that calling and moving light. Here's the heavy-duty version of it. If a gobbler is repeating a pattern or behavior while you're calling to him from a location, then think about how you can manipulate or move into a more advantageous position where you can capitalize on his pattern or his movements that are predictable. He can be moving around in a strut zone. He can be coming in a little bit to your calling and then walking back out. Not necessarily in a strut zone, but just coming in just to where he thinks that he should be able to see that hen or that that hen should be able to see him and come to him. Now, here's an example of what I'm talking about. This is the story of a turkey I like to call the warden. The reason I like to call him the warden is because he would come in at a distance, check things out, slip off. You could call to him again from the same location. He would walk back into the same spot, check things out, and walk off. Call to him again from the same spot. He would come back in, stand in the exact same turkey tracks that he left the last time he was there, look around, check things out, and he'd walk off. He was on patrol, and here's how I killed him. So when I first saw this turkey, I was sitting on the edge of a food plot, and I saw him just walk up to the edge of the food plot and look around and check things out, and I called to him from where I was. He was about 150 yards away from me. When I called to him, he would gobble. But he wouldn't come out into the field and come to my location because I had no decoys up. He couldn't see the hen that was calling to him. And so he was not willing to commit to come out into the food plot when he didn't see a hen out there. Now, if I'd had a decoy up, he may have come on out into the field, but I didn't. So I let this turkey walk off. When he left the field, he started following a bush hogged trail through some planted pines and he was gobbling and letting me know his location but I was behind him and when I would stop and sit down to call to him he would turn and he would come back to me but he would only come back about 40 or 50 yards which would make him 50 to 60 yards away from me and I never could get a visual on the turkey. So after I moved away from the food plot and sat down and I called a couple of times, and he would come in, gobble a few times, turn around and walk off, I'd call to him again, he'd come in, gobble a few times, turn around and walk off when he didn't see the hen, still I haven't seen him, I let him walk off further down the bush hog trail. I went to where he would walk to and stop the last time that I called to him, and I sat down and I called. Again, he's a 100 to a 125 yards from me, he gobbled, he would walk in about 40 or 50 yards, and he would gobble again, and he'd turn around and he'd walk off. I'd call to him, he would come in, 40 to 50 yards, he'd gobble, didn't see the hen, he'd turn around and he'd walk off, again down the bush hog trail. Now we've all been behind a gobbling turkey, and we all know how hard it is to call a turkey in that has his mind made up that he's going to point B, with us or without us, And since we're not hens, it's usually without us. But this turkey, instead of gobbling as he walked away, he would turn and he would come back towards me. So, I had an idea. After letting him walk off down the bush hog trail the second time, I walked to where he would come in and look for the hen and gobble before he turned around to walk off again. And I called from that location. Knowing that he's 100 to 125 yards away from me, and he's only going to come in 40 to 50 yards, he's going to stop, gobble, not see a hen, and he's going to turn around and walk off again. Well, this time, instead of sitting down at that second area where he would stop and gobble and look for the hen, I hoofed it closer to him. So, I'm in this bush hawk trail, I call, The turkey responds, he's 100 to 125 yards away from me, and I start walking very quickly towards him. I walked about 50 yards, ducked over on the side of the planted pines, and I sat there and I waited, and about 60 seconds after I sat down, here comes the turkey. He stops about 30 yards away from me, and I busted him. I didn't miss that turkey. But what was happening is that turkey was coming in, but only to a certain point. He wanted to go the other direction, but he also wanted some companionship. And when he would walk back to look for the companion, me, he wouldn't see me. He wouldn't see the hen. So he would turn around and he would start walking off to where he wanted to go. So what I did was I knew that that turkey was gobbling, coming in a short distance, but not enough distance for me to get a shot or for me to even be able to see him turn around and walking back. So I called from a distance further away from him, and I cut the distance between me and him very quickly, and I ended up killing that turkey that way. These are the kind of things that I'm trying to get you to think about doing while you're in the woods. You don't often hear of people saying, yeah, I had a turkey gobbling. He was 125 yards away from me. I called to him, and then I walked as fast as I could straight to him. I got 60 yards from where he gobbled last, and I sat down. And he walked right up and I shot him. You don't hear people saying that a lot. So mix it up a little bit. Try something different. Move around and call. Or call and then move towards that turkey. Another reason why that hunt worked that day is because I noticed a pattern that that turkey was following. He had done it one too many times. And if I can figure a turkey out, figure out what that turkey's doing, what he likes to do, I can kill that turkey nine times out of 10. And in this situation, moving after calling added no realism to my setup. It simply put me in the optimal position to kill this turkey. It was a strategy that was completely unconventional as most hunters would have tried to figure out where that turkey was headed and get in front of him to intercept his path. That day, I was a little more wild than that wild turkey. He let me pattern his behavior and that's a bad thing to do if you're a wild turkey and I'm after you. Okay, I hope you guys enjoyed this today and you got something out of it. These are strategies you're not going to try every time you go in the woods. You may not try any of these strategies on any given season, but think about them. Think about how in the past you've gotten beat by a turkey and maybe using a strategy like this or doing something a little bit more unconventional would have paid off. Again the key is just be a little more wild than that wild turkey that you're hunting and I feel like I say it every single episode of the show be careful while you're out there don't do anything so wild that you're gonna get yourself shot or injured but I do want you to think about being more like wild turkey hunters instead of wild turkey hunters when the situation warrants very quickly I've got three housekeeping things I want to go over real quick. Don't forget about the ebook. If you need a Merriam's to start or finish a Grand Slam, I know of a great spot that you can go on public land and be surrounded by wild turkeys, and I wrote a book about it. It's really a guidebook. Where to stay, where to fly into, where to rent a car from, where to eat, where to buy your licenses, where to hunt. All of that's in this book. And you can find the book at DIY www.merriamsturkeyhunt.com Turkeyhunt.com. If you don't like the book shoot me an email ask me for your money back I'll send you your money back no questions asked well I'll ask questions because I want to know why you didn't like the book so I can make the next one better but I won't give you a hard time about it how about that housekeeping item number two we've got some really good show topics coming up some of these have been suggested by you guys and I greatly appreciate that Brent Rogers and Rob Fridley, thank you very much for your show suggestions. If you guys have any ideas for shows that you want me to cover or you have any guests that you would like for me to interview, shoot me an email, andy at iamturkeyhunting.com andy at iamturkeyhunting.com and let me know what those are and I will do my best to make them happen for you. Again, as I've said the last few episodes, if it's something that you want to hear covered, on one of the shows I'll bet you you're not the only one so don't hesitate to shoot me an email also lastly if you haven't already please go to iTunes leave a five-star rating and a review and subscribe to the show if you have not already that way you'll be sure to get notification every time a new show is uploaded and subscribing does not cost a dime it's free so there's no reason not to that's all that I've got for you thanks so much for tuning in this week I know that you guys have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com